0: indeed 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 i am tony
1: i am peggy and i need to throw another log on the fire it's cold here
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's actually snowing we're back in our sticks and bricks and it's actually snowing all over the place here which is a weird deal for northern california
1: But oddly enough, it's also snowing in Death Valley, so...
0: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Hey, you know who we are? Two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips... Tricks. ...and discounts. And hearing Mark's voice there on the intro, we got to see him a couple of weeks ago. And his lovely wife, Rebecca.
1: We took a nice, wonderful road trip. We didn't have any agenda... Or any required destination. Wait, not
0: even like world peace or no be nothing. kind to others. None of the no agenda whatsoever. Well, we Holy didn't smokes. see others
1: except that's true. We really <laughs> having didn't having lunch with Mark and Rebecca. Yep, and the occasional I don't know gas station attendant or whatever. <laughs>
0: not even that because I think we paid at the pump. Yeah, Although one of the things we did do is I did have the truck and trailer weighed.
1: That's true. That we was cool. That. We did a little bit of grocery shopping, but really, we just really spent 12 days completely alone, yeah, basically, and completely just doing whatever we decided to do that day.
0: The thing not to be undersold about this trip was that typically our trips are, we're going here and we're doing X, right?
1: right. And we have a time that we said we would be there, or we have a time that we need to get home. Even though we try to make it as leisurely and fun and stressless as possible, there's usually something that we have to do while we're out.
0: Right. It's like we have this reservation or that reservation or whatever. This time, none of that. It was get in the truck. We have an idea where we're going, which was Death Valley, which coincidentally is essentially what this whole episode is all about. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Death Valley.
1: That's right so we decided to make a road trip and do what we wanted and we had a great time we started our first night at the Lucchese Winery, which was a Harvest Host location.
0: That was an interesting aspect. And one of the things, by the way, going back to what Mark Kep said in our episode about the campgrounds of the future. Oh, right. He said, basically, just kind of call the day of, have several options available, and he has not run into problems. And guess what? We followed that advice and it worked. We did that. Admirably. We started at Lucchese Winery.
1: So that was the only thing we really decided before we left. Left home because basically it was our first stop. It was the day of, so we checked in to look, to make sure that we could stay at lucchese and we could that day. We so could, and it was off
0: the beaten path.
1: Oh yeah, so we were on a road that was <laughs> like barely wide enough for the trailer. If we had passed another car, we would have kind of been in trouble. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was a narrow one-lane road. We kept thinking, basically. well, maybe we're
1: going the wrong way, and. Maybe I should have been more careful to look for an RV route, but it was the only route to the vineyard itself. There is a winery tasting room in town, but the vineyard itself is way up in there. Yeah, and, and they were kind oh, enough as
0: as members of Harvest Hosts to let us stay there. The sunrise was spectacular.
1: Yeah, it was as gorgeous. As was the sunset. The sunset, but we barely made it in time for sunset. Yeah. We, we broke our rule a bit because we didn't get out of the house as soon as we had, as soon as we should have. It was the way we planned, but I didn't plan as well as I could have, so... I wish we had been an hour earlier, but at least it wasn't dark. It was just
0: right. dusk. And it was a really nice spot. We were the only RVers there, but they have, it looks like space for a couple, three RVs. Uh huh. Yep. And the people there were super nice. I think the owner's daughter and her significant other were there. And dogs. There were those oh, Pyrenees. they were great. Yeah, yeah, those great Pyrenees dogs. Great Pyrenees dogs. They're terrific. Yeah.
1: Which we learned a new term for them when we were leaving and they said, try to make sure the dogs don't follow you through the gate we found out that they're also known as great disappearinees yeah
0: apparently they like to escape so so
1: lacy and gary sasha wasn't that abnormal
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have friends lacy and gary who had one too and Yeah. It escaped.
1: Well, they had two. Now they have one. Yeah, now they have (laughs) one. Because they couldn't keep that one under control. Anyway. Anyway,
0: (laughs) they also brought us a bottle of red and a bottle of white wine. And I think I've mentioned that that bottle of red wine disappeared at my hands that evening.
1: And they brought it because the office had closed. as, As I said, we got there a little later than we should have, but they were super nice. And they went up and got the wine and brought it to our camper. And so it was a beautiful lovely first night yeah and and again (laughs) goes
0: back to why we like harvest hosts so much yeah it's definitely a great way to see things you might not have otherwise and i always say it makes for great instagram posts and it did sure
1: did yeah what we did do really well except for that first day was not break the three 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 rule yeah. We pretty much were in camp for the most part. We got settled by three or four o'clock in the afternoon. We didn't travel too many hours. We didn't feel rushed in the morning. We stopped, you know, and had a picnic when we wanted to.
0: Yeah, which is how we ran into Mark and Rebecca. Well, we purposely we called <laughs> them and said, hey, we're rolling through town. We're rolling
1: through town. Let's have lunch. Yeah. So we did that. Anyway, the second night, we made it from Grass Valley, where Lucchese Winery is, to the town of Bridgeport. And there is an area called Travertine Hot Springs just out of Bridgeport. And I had read that it's Bureau of Land Management land, so there is open space. Beyond a certain point, it says no camping. So we didn't go beyond that point. We stopped before that, and there happened to be right before those signs, there happened to be a place where people had obviously camped quite a bit before. So we pulled in there and camped. We walked into the springs to check them out, got some great pictures. Yeah,
0: there were tons of people sitting around in these hot springs, just enjoying the heck out of it. There were people clearly... Posing pictures of themselves in bikinis for Instagram. (laughs) I mean, seriously, doing all these wacky. All those.
1: Yoga poses in the sunset. Right. There was a (laughs)
0: young lady doing that. So I got pictures of her
1: too. So that was a nice little stop. And then the next day, of course, we stopped for lunch.
0: Oh, but it shouldn't be underestimated just how awesome that area was. I mean, it just, there's the hot springs and it was free. The only thing (laughs) is the road getting in. Oh, no, that was the next no, night. No, I'm sorry. I'm getting confused. Later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Squeeze me. It
1: looked a little scary, that road getting in, but there were a couple of different routes. And, and the road, it was a dirt road and had a little bit of washout and stuff, but it yeah, wasn't but, too bad.
0: Yeah, that's right. That one was not bad at all. It wasn't that all.
1: far in.
0: And it was quiet at night. Yeah. yeah. it was just, And, it of course, free because our taxes pay for it because it's Bureau of Land Management right. land.
1: And so we thought, well, maybe we'd go really early in the morning and have a soak but i woke up to cars driving in so i knew it would already be crowded so we didn't it was just a little crowded for our taste plus we hadn't been to walmart and bought swimsuits yet
0: right and (laughs) and while it is acceptable to not wear swimsuits i believe
1: i don't know about there
0: oh yeah that's true well anyway we wanted to wear swimsuits because (laughs) we don't want anyone wanting to poke their eyes out so there you go
1: So we left Bridgeport in the morning and we, well, Mark and Rebecca live in Mammoth Lakes. You know, you've met them before. They met us in Bishop so that we could have lunch. We had some burgers from the burger barn.
0: Which, by the way, I got to ask, let us know. Do you like going to places that you're familiar with for food and that stuff? Or do you prefer the little weird out of the way local hotspots?
1: Maybe that's our question of the week. It is, isn't it? Let's wait until we get to the end of the episode and see if that ends up our question.
0: Right. But this place was, for all intents and purposes, weird. I mean, it was a collection of (laughs) odd little buildings, and you couldn't eat there because of the county health order presently with the distancing. So we all went to a park up the road, as did I saw other people with the same bags and boxes as we had. (laughs) And it was absolutely delightful we had a chocolate peanut butter shake yeah and of course the burger and fries and they were all really terrific it was, like I said, it was just a little hole in the wall.
1: Actually, not fries. We had onion rings and tater tots. Oh, you're tots. right! That's right. <laughs> fries
0: were later on the trip.
1: Rebecca is a big advocate of when you can get tater tots, get tater tots. Yeah. And that was a good piece of advice. That was good advice.
0: <laughs> and they had them. That was cool. So, anyway.
1: Yeah, we had a delicious burger and, and some time with our friends by a little creek in a park. And then we moved on and we went to the Alabama Hills just outside of Lone Pine. Now, I had heard a lot about Alabama Hills but it had never been there. And I I really wanted to see it and we saw a lot of it because <laughs> it was so crowded that we couldn't really find, you know, it took us a while to find a space big enough that we weren't, we didn't feel like we were invading anybody else's space it's gorgeous. It's big oh my gosh. boulders and kind of in a way similar to the Joshua Tree boulders.
0: Yeah, very smooth the big and granite, rounded.
1: big granite rounded boulders.
0: And then there's also like places where water has washed out bits of them. So they're like one big enough Peggy crawled in it. Yeah. We have also been told don't tell anybody about Alabama Hills.
1: No, actually that was the hot springs. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: My memory. I need <laughs> pictures to go along with this because there were no signs. <laughs>
1: So we did end up finding a space in Alabama Hills that we could camp the night. And we pretty much had just planned to stay there one night anyway. Now, it was so gorgeous and beautiful. We might have stayed a second night if we hadn't felt so crowded. We realized later that was Friday night of Martin Luther King weekend. So it was a three-day weekend for a lot of people. So it's not really surprising that it was crowded, but it just caught us a little bit unawares. But it was fine. It was great. And... I don't think we had any kind of signal out there so we wouldn't have stayed very long anyway because we can't stand to be without our connectivity.
0: Yeah, by the way, there's a really good podcast from Heath and Alyssa with Mark and Cherie from Technomadia about connectivity on the road, and we'll put a link to that. And I learned something. We have a WeBoost Drive 4GX cell phone booster, and I was a little disappointed, and after listening to that podcast, I know why. (laughs) So we'll put a link to that. It was a really interesting episode about connectivity.
1: Okay, good. And while we were in Alabama Hills, we saw, I I think her name is Lucy... I can't remember. It's a rock that kind of has a shape of a face. And years ago, like if I remember right, a few young men who were headed off to World War II went out there and painted that rock with eyes and lips. (laughs) Yeah. And so if you are familiar with her, she's been freshly painted. Very much so. With a a lot. I mean, I was reading comments and a lot of people are like, oh, she looks nice. She's all fresh. And then a lot of people were, oh, people are painting on rocks. And then other people were like, well, they've been painting on that rocks. You know, so back and forth back. And forth. But just know that if you've seen her before and you want to see her all fresh with fresh, big, juicy red lips, go to check <laughs> her out.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is obviously a lot of concern about defacing natural things, You're painting rocks and stacking rocks and yeah. digging things and, and all of that. And it's absolutely legitimate. And it has become more destructive according to some of the rangers that we've spoken to because more people are rving and more new people are and just don't know all of the rules yet right Uh, however lucy's been painted for decades
1: yeah so after we left alabama hills that was where my rv trip wizard got a little bit of a workout because i had not decided really whether we should go straight from there toward death valley Or if we should stop in Rainbow Basin. I really wanted to see Rainbow Basin. But really we could have done it either before or after we went to Death Valley.
0: I've been hearing about Rainbow Basin since I started (laughs) going out with Peggy all those many years ago. And that's where she did a lot of her studies when she was learning her geology.
1: Right. It's a very popular place in Southern California to take new geology students and teach them how to map. It's pretty simple in terms of mapping and pretty straightforward. So it's a good learning tool. And so it's a very popular place. So I was there quite a bit in my college years, first as a student taking the class. And then after that, it was kind of tradition for (laughs) us to go out (laughs) for the previous year's students to go out and camp when the new students were out there and give them a hard time because we didn't have to go mapping in the morning. Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) I have to say that was, I think, the worst road I've ever driven on in my entire life.
1: Yeah, the Rainbow Basin Fossil Road, the road between the actual paved road and the campground is five miles or something. It's really, really washboard. It is
0: absolutely horrible. I mean, there's no... There's no polite way to put it. And as such, we have incurred damage to our trailer.
1: You know, unfortunately, that's just the desert. Yeah. It was maintained. So it's not like it wasn't maintained. It was very well maintained. It just happens that that situation with the water flowing the way it does, it's just really, really washboard. So yeah, it's, it's, it was nonstop bump.
0: Yeah. And it was just, I mean, it was really significant.
1: Like, not like, boom boom, but like, brrr. yeah, it was
0: <laughs> just, and there were, Fairly deep, so I can understand people who wouldn't want to take an RV back there.
1: Yeah, we might not ever go there again
0: with the RV. The sad thing is I really liked, once we got out there, it was a fantastic place. I mean, gosh, they had these beautiful, what looked like brand new metal Shade buildings and fire pits I think we talked about them last yeah, week Yeah, fire but
1: pits and barbecue
0: pits The spaces were huge and flat And if they maintained the road As well as they maintained the campground <laughs> It would be, and it was six bucks a night I mean, Jesus, Louise, you can't beat that
1: I just don't know if there's a way that you can do anything better with that road
0: It's called a box scraper
1: I think they do that Well, not Based, on, based yeah, on the berms Based on the berms on the side I think they do it I yeah, think it's just it's the ugh. nature of the beast
0: But once you're out there, it's space spectacularly beautiful. And there's that loop road that we went on. And we
1: got pretty good cell service. So we were willing to stay for a while. We planned to stay Saturday and Sunday so that we could drive the loop. And then while we were there, we thought, well, maybe we'd just stay a third night because we were really enjoying it. But then the weather said there was going to be really big wind the next day. And we thought if we were going to be camping in wind, we'd rather be stable and not driving. So we decided to take that kind of windy day to travel so that we could hunker down in the really windy day.
0: Yeah. The first night we were there, it was dead still. It was just, like I say, it was fantastic. The second night, the wind had definitely kicked up and you Mm -hmm. could hear it during the night, kind of shaking the trailer. And we have a weather app that we'll talk about a little bit later that did pop up warnings and say, eh, it's going to be kind of windy here, buddy.
1: And we did talk quite a bit about Rainbow Basin last week, so there's more information on that in episode 82 if you want to go back and listen to more about that. So after we left Rainbow Basin, we knew that Death Valley campgrounds were closed inside the park.
0: Right. You will hear an interview later with a ranger from Death Valley. And we recorded our interview with her the day after everything had opened back up. But yeah. while we were there, the state had closed all public campgrounds for the state of California.
1: Well, that's federal. So Oh yeah. anyway,
0: whatever it is, yeah.
1: The park campgrounds were closed. Yeah. And we had been boondocking now for four nights. Yes. So we decided to find a place with hookups.
0: And Peggy <laughs> absolutely did in a... Town called Tacopa.
1: In Tacopa. And if you know Tacopa or Shoshone, you know that that's a place that's very popular with hot springs. Yes. Unfortunately, a lot of those parks were closed in the one park that we found that was open and we found good Wi Fi.
0: Yeah, they had great Wi Fi and full hookups.
1: Yeah, full hookups. Unfortunately, their tubs were down because they were replumbing everything. So still no water to sit in.
0: <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get in hot water to <laughs> save my life. We
1: kind of went on a quest for hot water and, and didn't, got none. Didn't didn't get Other it until than we came home. <laughs> what
0: came out of the shower?
1: But we had a great campsite, and so we stayed there for three nights. And during the day, we went in and explored Death Valley, which we'll talk about a lot more in a little while.
0: Yeah, Death Valley is. I know the branding is terrible, Death Valley, but oh my gosh, it's just go, it's just terrific, just go and go in the shoulder seasons, but go.
1: And we'll talk a lot about. Yeah, we'll about talk that. about it Coming more. Up.
0: By the way, this RV park, I have to say, it was a big patch of gravel with full hookups. And while we were there at night, we could hear the coyotes yipping yeah, and running crazy. through the campground. It was so <laughs> weird. I mean, we—I in fact, I almost hit a couple of them with the truck driving around one yep, of the days yep. because they're just, they're running around. It's kind of cool. I mean, you're in your RV and, you know, it was, the weather was really terrific. And so we had the windows open and there they are. They're yipping and yapping and running around. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) like right through the campground and such so it was i thought that was cool yeah
1: it was pretty cool so then we went across death valley there's state highway that basically dissects it right through the middle highway 190 we took that highway across the valley on our last day of being in the valley and we stopped on the other end wait
0: hold on we went over a mountain that was oh, literally, well,
1: yeah. <laughs> somebody
0: said, if you want to go to Panamint Springs, which is where Peggy was going to say we were going, yep. you're going to have to traverse a 4,000 foot yeah. mountain, right? The and ranger I'm like, said,
1: a lot of people don't like to go that way because they don't like to tow their trailer up at 4,000 feet. And, we and said, I'm like, hey, you know, ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Right? What he didn't say was... And on the way down, it's 15% grade. Right.
0: <laughs> Holy cow. I was working that truck and going downhills. You want to monitor your transmission temperature. You want to definitely try to stay off the brakes and use the engine for braking and slow down and be careful but boy I could tell that truck was working to keep things on the straight and narrow because it was sort of twisty and it was was steep steep (laughs) for a long time I mean that was the road where we tested that truck and it passed obviously here we are recording right but I was watching the coolant and transmission temperatures and they were going up but they're still within normal range and again slow and steady wins the race and staying off the brakes as much as possible because you don't want them to heat up and then you have no breaks because that makes you sad then you're not <laughs> stressless camping then you're practicing all the words your mama told you not to say <laughs> yeah.
1: so we went to the panamint springs campground
0: so panamint springs is out on the edge of death valley and i believe it's a private campground yeah it is a private campground. i think
1: it is and i think that's why they were up, able to be open And expensive. Yeah, it was kind of expensive. I thought that what I read was that without hookups, it was $20, but maybe that was off season and this is in season
0: i don't know twenty dollars i would have been happy with forty bucks <laughs> with no hookups forty
1: dollars with no hookups they have six hookup sites that were all taken up by motorhomes which is fine and that's cool i don't i we don't didn't need the hookups i just was really surprised by the amount on the other hand it had a great view of Panamint valley yes very much gorgeous so. there were some military flybys which kind of completed my day in the desert because i was Peggy like
0: used to love to sit in the desert and watch the military planes fly by and we saw a whole bunch of them including i believe a c-130 but i'm not don't quote me on that because i'm not a planes expert yeah basically what was there a was a big plane a
1: big plane there were a lot of really fast jets and it was fun to just sit there and and watch the planes and Kind of take me back to my old desert days. Yeah, and we got to sit
0: outside. (laughs) It was super nice and look at the valleys. So, and normally when the restaurants open, they have, uh, how many? I
1: think it was 180 kinds of beer.
0: Isn't that crazy? But they did have their convenience store where we also paid for our camp fee. And they had at least one beer. They had quite a few, but one that really floated my boat. And that was a Belching Beaver peanut butter milk chocolate stout. I haven't had that in, uh, year in a year and a while, half
1: because it's from San Diego yeah. and it it never travels all the way to Northern California for some reason. So we hadn't had it in quite a while. So he was very stoked to find that. Yes, indeed. Got a six pack of that. So we sat there with our zero signal no cell no verizon no at&t
0: no nothing they
1: said they had wi-fi but it was satellite based and we got nothing yeah but that's okay we were ready for it we sat outside and watched the sunset and then we went inside and read our kindles
0: (laughs) there you go and it was terrific and i got to drink Belching belching beaver peanut butter milk chocolate stout
1: So the next night after we left there, I had thought about going to Lake Isabella because that's somewhere else I hadn't been in a long, long time. And I thought, oh, maybe we could spend a day or two goofing off over there. And on the day that we left Panamint Springs, I looked up the KOA and found out that their county was closed. So we couldn't camp there.
0: So we went to my sister's.
1: So we mooch docked at Tony's sister's Heidi's.
0: And she's put a 30 amp plug in for us. And there's a big spot on the driveway that's nice and flat. And I got to hang out with my sister and brother-in-law and even and my nephew and it had just been his birthday so that was cool to see them
1: so that was into Hatch and it snowed overnight yes it did (laughs) so we
0: went from pretty good weather to where that weather thing kept beeping it's going to snow you better watch out and my sister told me about the time our father stayed at her house And got snowed in for four days. And I'm like... (laughs) He thought we were
1: going to be trapped there for four days. Right. But then someone else had told us, oh, when we called to find out about a dump station, Tony had talked to the girl at the dump station, at the campground at the dump station, and she said, an inch. So I knew we weren't going to get trapped for four days with an inch of snow. So it was somewhere in the middle, but we were fine. We had a nice little dusting of snow that was pretty to look at and easy to drive out of in the morning. (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
0: It was no no big deal. Then our... It's always sad. When you go on these epic journeys and you have so much fun, your last night is always kind of a bummer, right? I mean, it was a little bit more so based on where we stayed (laughs) because it was uh, the Merced River campground and there were... Political flags. No matter what side of the equation you're on, it, we're camping, you know, leave it home. Yeah. But whatever. That's all good. It was a little Not bit funny. the campground's funny. fault.
1: Yeah. It looked like it was going to be hard to get in because the campsite was actually a few feet above the road itself. Yeah. So it was like, just back up this hill. And when you get to the flat spot, that's where you stop. So it wasn't that awful, but it It looked kind
0: of weird. It was a grassy knoll. It was
1: a grassy knoll that we camped on. (laughs) But we had full hookups. full hookups. So we were able to refill our... Well, we didn't fill our water tank. We used the city water hookup at the campground. The water that we were carrying around for a few days was from Tacopa. And it was, you know, obviously it was potable, but man, it was salty. Yeah, it was gross. (laughs) I was ready to get rid of it. And we used up the last of that water...
0: Yeah, or okay. so we thought. In
1: that Merced River campground. Oh, but there was also trains, so that was a good yeah. thing. Yeah,
0: so there were trains that were going by, and I pre—I love trains, as as I think you may know. And so I kind of dug the fact that every few hours you could hear, and we were right near a grade crossing, so you could hear the trains whistling yeah. for the grade crossing. I dug it. He
1: woke up and listened to it every time. Yeah. I didn't hear it. I heard it before I went to sleep, and I heard it. It woke me up in the morning, but it was time to wake up anyway, so it didn't wake me up constantly, which was just fine with me. Yeah, I- <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I, I dug it. So there you go. And then and on then the way home. And then last day yeah. on
1: the way home.
0: Boo-hoo. As we're driving home, you know, you're supposed to keep an eye on your towed vehicle, you know, the trailer back there. And I was, and I look in the mirror, and I see this huge gray cloud. I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah, And I am bad. a stickler about maintenance, including wheel bearings and tire pressure, all of that stuff, right? And there's this big gray cloud. I'm like, oh, dear. So we're on the freeway, and I pull over on the side of the freeway. What? Wherever it was, people were going by us really fast. How's that? Yeah. And there wasn't much of a shoulder. And I get out and look thinking, oh gosh, if it's a wheel bearing, we're gonna have to have the trailer towed somewhere. But it wasn't the wheel bearing. The freshwater tank cracked. Remember
1: how I said the freshwater tank was empty? Yeah,
0: we thought it was. Well, because the it lights is now. indicated and the pump wasn't really picking up. It's empty now because we sprayed water. The freshwater tank on our trailer is right ahead of the axle. And so the water...
1: The side cracked.
0: Yeah, the side, the side of the t- the tank itself actually it. split and was spraying water out and being hit by the tire and making this mist.
1: Of water. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was, I mean, it was a little bit entertaining, but not because now I'm going to have to get under there and replace the darn tank. Right.
1: But, well, we went from, oh, crap, it's smoke to, oh, good, it's water to, isn't that funny to this isn't funny to, well, right. it's kind of funny. And then kind of a... Not nice driver went around us. And I thought, ha ha, you're getting sprayed in the face, you sucker. (laughs) Well, but with fresh
0: water. We were washing the freeway for the state of California. That's
1: right. I think they owe us for doing that street cleaning. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Now they don't have to send a Caltrans sweeper. Anyway, that was was part of the fun. And so we have ordered a new tank from our friendly local Flagstaff dealer because Flagstaff and Rockwood are the same brands. And they were all too kind about getting us a new tank from rockwood so
1: there you go so that'll be fixed before we well it will be fixed before we go out again yeah
0: because well no we can maybe not
1: we can go where there's water hookups
0: yeah ain't no thing but a chicken wing the second time i've said that this time (laughs) great (laughs) so that was kind of the
1: that was our recap and we'll
0: put links to all those places and such because it really was a wonderful trip and it was probably one of the least expensive trips we've been on for that period of time. Yeah, I mean, because
1: out of 11 nights, we boondocked seven of those nights. And we only had hookups for four of the nights. And so we only paid for, well, we paid for, at three campgrounds, one with no hookups. Yeah, but whatever. that Tacopa
0: Springs was...
1: Well, actually, technically, we paid for Rainbow Basin, but it was $6 a night. It's yeah, that kind of forgettable. right?
0: <laughs> And Tacopa was also really inexpensive.
1: Yeah, it was super inexpensive. They cut the price down because we weren't able to use their hot springs. So that was very reasonable. was totally worth it for just for the Wi-Fi
0: itself. Absolutely. And the hookups and the coyotes. Right. <laughs> so that was our trip in a very long, drawn-out explanation. <laughs> and one of the things that we really appreciated on our trip, Harvest Hosts, we... Absolutely love Harvest Hosts, and again, this trip was another explanation of why.
1: Yeah, we got to stay in a beautiful winery, we got Instagram pictures galore, and we got some great wine.
0: The people were nice, the place was beautiful, and Harvest Hosts is a great collection of all sorts of wonderful places to stay. Wineries, golf courses, breweries, museums, points of interest all kinds of stuff like that and basically you sign up once a year and we even have a discount on our discounts and deals page on our website so go over get yourself a deal on harvest host membership and then there's places all over this country that you can stay most of them are boondocking A lot of them have great things you're going to want to pick up while you're there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like wine. (laughs) Yeah, like
0: wine or experiences or all kinds of stuff. So we love Harvest Hosts. We know you will too. And we've got a deal for you over on
1: www.stresslesscamping.com That's
0: right. Look for the discounts and deals.
1: We are super excited to welcome Abby Wines from Death Valley. She's the park spokesperson for Death Valley and we are going to talk about Death Valley since it's so fresh in our minds and we just had a wonderful wonderful visit there and we want to keep talking about it. Abby, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: My pleasure.
1: If it sounds a little rough, don't forget, it's hard to get a Wi-Fi signal out
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> this is the landline, and it's yeah. hard to get.
0: I'm going to start with the question some people might ask. It's called Death Valley. Why would somebody want to go there? What's there to see <laughs> in Death Valley? <laughs>
2: Yes, uh, it's definitely a name that's kept some people away, and part of the park's history includes people taking advantage of that name to purposely scare people away. But this park is vast, it's beautiful, it's an open landscape where you can see the geology, where you can see the extremes from low elevation to high elevations, and there's plenty of room to visit and explore.
0: One of the interesting things when we were there last week was we were at the lowest point In the U.S., I believe, right? Right. Badwater,
2: 282 feet below sea level. Right. Yeah,
0: you have a sign there that we have a neat picture of Peggy pointing to that is the sea level sign up on...
2: Way up on the hill. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's not a view you're used to most places.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And while we were there, there were three... I, I don't know if they're all rangers. Is it all rangers that would be employees there? They were doing some repairs on the boardwalk of
2: Badwater? You can call anyone that works for the National Park Service a ranger in a general term. Uh-huh. The folks that were probably working on the boardwalk would have been our maintenance workers. Okay. But they still work for the Park Service, so you can call them rangers.
0: One of the gentlemen who was there, there were three people, a lady and two gentlemen, who were there working on that. One of them clued us into a burger
1: <laughs> Yeah. And
0: was it Furnace Creek?
1: No, in Stovepipe Wells.
0: Stovepipe Wells. Yeah. It was so good, we, we went, went twice. out of our way the second <laughs> day to get it again. <laughs>
2: Excellent.
0: That was tasty. How crowded does the park get in, in a normal year? And then what was last year like?
2: So go back two years ago to 2019 being our last normal year. Mm -hmm. We had 1.7 million visitors, which is about twice what we had 10 years before. So park visitation is going up here, which is the case across most national parks. If you're traveling around, you'll probably hear the same thing. And so it's great that people are coming out and enjoying this beautiful desert landscape. Fortunately for us here in Death Valley, even at 1.7 million, it doesn't feel that crowded. There are definitely some crowded places, but because the park is so vast, if you're willing to get out and hike anywhere, you'll probably have that location to yourself unless you pick the main high points, Right. such as Badwater, Zipperski Point, uh, those spots, those places can be crowded, but most of the park isn't.
1: Those are the places we actually saw people this time. <laughs>
2: right.
0: Yeah, when we were there, it was very uncrowded. We're recording this in January, which is a pretty good time to visit, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, so the best times to visit are, of course, when it's cool here, which is October through early April. Mm-hmm. It's our half year that it's cool enough to get out and hike and really experience things. But then within that are on the holidays. So anytime kids are out of school that's when people tend to travel. So Thanksgiving weekend is extremely busy. Right around Christmas, New Year's is very busy. A blip of visitation during Martin Luther King weekend, President's Day through April is consistently busy. So mid-February through April is very busy in the park. But that means if you're able to travel sometime like December between Thanksgiving and Christmas, you'll probably even have those really normally busy locations completely to yourself. Hmm. And the same goes for early January, other than Martin Luther King weekend.
1: Right. Did 2020 show a, a big difference, a big drop in visitation or you know, we keep advocating camping is social distancing. And these are the kind of places that seem excellent to visit where there's hardly any crowds to worry about any time, but especially now.
2: Yes, uh, 2020 definitely has affected our visitation, as you would expect. And we're still finalizing the numbers, but we were probably about 800,000 something last year. So about half of the year before. Death Valley's visitation varies a lot by season. Mm-hmm. And COVID really certainly to hit in March, which is right in the middle of our spring busy season, and we had the park completely shut down for most of April, May, and half of June. The only thing that was open was driving through the highway on California 190, but none of the side roads or hiking trails or anything were open. When we reopened the park in late June, our summer visitors normally are not Americans. Most Americans, (laughs) they say, why would we want to go to the hottest place on Earth in the hottest time of the year? (laughs) And they don't come here. But people that are traveling from another country that have traveled longer distances, A, that's when they have time off. So that's the only time they come here often. And B, they travel to see something different. And if you live in Norway or Germany, (laughs) visiting the hottest place on Earth in a month that it could be close to that record heat, that's something to write home about. Right. (laughs)
1: Right. Yeah, I guess so.
2: We actually get a lot of visitors, but mostly from other countries in the summer. And then because of course this summer people from other countries couldn't get to the US, our summer visitation was really low and so our visitation didn't start to spike again until November, which was pretty much tied with the prior year of November. Mm -hmm. And then California went into regional stay at home orders in December, which we just lifted yesterday. So the last two months have been slower than normal, although not completely slow
0: any other time when people are likely to listen to this in the future Mm -hmm. there is a tremendous Mm -hmm. amount of great rv spots rv and camping we saw jeeps we saw RVs, all sorts of stuff when we were there. And so you offer quite a bit for the RVer.
1: And things we didn't see were the out-of-the-way, I believe you have like hike-in camping in some places.
2: So there's 764 camping sites in Death Valley National Park. Not all of those are suitable for RVs, but vast majority are. Some of the best campgrounds for RVs are in the center of the park near Furnace Creek Visitor Center. Uh, the Furnace Creek Campground, which is the only one that takes reservations, They're available through recreation.gov. That is also our only Park Service Campground here with hookups. So if you're interested in that, you would want to jump on those reservations well in advance because they get booked pretty quickly. (laughs) I bet. But just across the highway from Furnace Creek is Sunset Campground, which is a campground with 270 sites in it. So even though it's first come, first serve, there is always space in there. Unfortunately, no hookups, but plenty of room, especially for an RV camper. Oh,
1: that's good to know. A little bit
2: further afield, some campgrounds without hookups, but do have sites that are RV friendly would be Stovepipe Wells and up in the north end of the park, Mesquite Springs Campground, which gets a lot less use and generally a really great place to do night sky viewing and have more time to yourself up there.
1: That's where we didn't get to go. We only went as far north as the the highway, Furnace Creek and Stovepipe Wells. So everything from there north is for our next visit and we're waiting for Scotty's Castle to open. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yes, me too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that we can talk a little bit about, I think, because it's sad and interesting. Maybe if you could give us a little history on it, but I know right now it's under a lot of repairs because there was a really big flood that caused a lot of damage.
2: Right. So it's closed due to a flash flood. should probably back up and mention who Scotty was and why we care about his castle. So Walter Scott went by the name Death Valley Scotty. He was a con man. And his scam was that he claimed to have a gold mine in Death Valley. He never even had a hole in the ground. It was all completely a lie. (laughs) But the reason he said it was in Death Valley was he was using that name, that ominous name, So that his investors would never come out to check on what he was actually doing (laughs) out here. So that's how he used Death Valley. But it turns out one of his early investors, first decade 1900s, was a man from Chicago named Albert Johnson. And Johnson came out to check on his investment. Scotty staged a gunfight to try to scare him away. In the gunfight, Scotty's brother got shot in the hip. And so it was this big Wild West adventure, and by the end of it, when Scotty's brother got shot, which was accidental, Scotty yelled at his other friends, the bandits, and told them to stop shooting. (laughs) They came down and apologized. So put yourself in the shoes of Albert Johnson, this millionaire from Chicago, realizes he's been lied to, he's been stolen from, and here someone next to him just a few feet away got shot. And that's where the story gets weird, because he realized he was not really investing in gold mine, but he had the time of his life. He was having an adventure (laughs) out here in Death Valley, a true Wild West adventure. And so the two men became lifelong friends after that. And Albert Johnson started to bring his wife, Bessie Johnson, out here to camp every year or two. And eventually she got tired of camping and asked for a vacation home. And that is the Spanish-style mansion that is now called Scotty's Castle even though it never belonged wasn't to wasn't really
1: Scotty's at all. <laughs>
2: right. And it was built in the 1920s, a beautiful complex of buildings. Fast forward a few years, it uh, became under ownership of the National Park Service, and in October of 2015, there was a thunderstorm that just parked itself right on top of that canyon. And it dropped 2.7 inches of rain in five hours, which is about half the annual average rainfall for that elevation in the park. And that created a flash flood. Usually this river or wall of mud and rocks and tree limbs coming down the canyon that broke through the walls in a few of the buildings, filled one of the buildings to four feet deep with mud and rocks, and completely washed away the sewer system, the water system, and about eight miles worth of road. Wow. So it was quite a devastating event. It's also quite natural. That's part of why Death Valley looks the way it does. When you travel around, you see these steep mountains and steep canyons, and then these big rocks that have washed out onto the flats. Those are all from major flash floods sometime in the past. Could have been 15 years ago. Could have been 1,000 years ago. Right. When things happen here, it happens suddenly. So it was a natural event, but caused a lot of damage to a historic feature that we care about deeply, so the National Park Service has been working to repair all of the historic features and also the infrastructure up there. At this point, we're targeting reopening to the public in December of 2022.
0: There's a great YouTube channel for the restoration. I've been watching what's been going on. We'll put a link to that in our show notes. It's pretty fun to watch them and how meticulously they are taking care of all of the artifacts and the structure and just all of it. It's a great channel. Thanks for that plug. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm really glad you're doing that because it's enjoyable to watch. And it also shows the care that goes into that restoration. I mean, it's the things you just don't think about. It's amazing. I like it.
1: (laughs) So knowing that that kind of extreme, that kind of flash flood that can fill a building up four feet thick with rocks... And you've got the highest recorded temperature, I think,
2: in the U.S. So the temperature records get a little complicated. <laughs> At this point, the official highest recorded temperature on Earth is in Death Valley, recorded back in 1913. And that temperature was 134 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: Wow. Wow. Did anybody think to fry an egg on the sidewalk?
2: Don't even bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> PTSD, no. I don't want to hear anything about frying an egg. <laughs> Oh, a couple of years ago, we had a huge problem with that where it was just an epidemic of egg fryers. Oh, really? No. I mean, if you're going to bring a frying pan and put the frying pan on the asphalt and then put the egg in the frying pan and then fry it that way, that's all fine. And that's kind of interesting. <laughs> but what people kept doing is they just bring their dozen eggs and oh, crack them on the asphalt. Oh, no. Dry up and shrivel and it's <laughs> walk off. And that's. Littering, and it's the worst kind of litter because it's littering with food, which is what draws in wildlife Yeah. roads. So that's why we get so adamant about it. Please don't fry an egg. Here. Please do
1: not do that.
0: Okay. So, okay. tip number one: don't fry an egg on the sidewalk in Death Valley. Bring your frying pan. Even if you can, it's still bad.
2: So. Uh, the temperature was recorded in 1913 at 134 degrees, and there are some people that question that, so I wouldn't be surprised if in the next few years the weather detectives, the historian detectives, do their work and show that that might be debunked, which they've already done with a, another record taken in Libya. So if that happens, there's a record of, sorry, I forget which country it's in, uh, of 132, which is even shakier, <laughs> and if that one gets debunked as well, the hottest, very reliably recorded temperature measured on Earth was measured here in Death Valley this summer, 130 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: And that's still so plenty either hot. You way you look
2: at it. Darn hot. Hottest place on Earth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we should bear in mind if we're going to visit that you could get really huge flash floods. You could get really high, hot, hot temperatures. Oh, but come anyway. Yeah, come anyway, (laughs) but you don't want to go unprepared. You want to go prepared for these kind of things. And I know when I was in college and taking geology classes, and there was a group of people that, not in Death Valley, but, you know, we were tent camping, and some people put their tent down in a wash, and... Mm -hmm it was like this big like lesson learned like don't put your tent in a wash because if there's a flash flood you're going to get washed away Mm -hmm. so it's just you want to be smart and think about these kind of things when you're going to visit and always take your water and Wear your hat and all those things. Make sure that you visit safely. One of the
0: first things that probably is a good idea to do to any visitor, especially if you're new to the area, is you had a really outstanding visitor center there. And there was a gentleman there who answered some questions of ours. And so that's probably a wise move. And you pay your entrance fee. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. That
0: was outstanding there.
2: So you brought up a great point, which is going to the visitor center is really what should be everyone's first stop. You can grab a map of the park there, pay your entrance fee, get your questions answered. And why all of that is so important is once you're out in the park, you're probably not going to be able to get your questions answered. Yeah. Because most of the park does not have cell phone service. So that means you have to go a little old school and plan ahead more than most people are used to doing these days.
1: Right. And that's another really good point Don't anticipate that you're going to be able to just call for help. You need to be prepared to be on your own and take care of yourself when you go there. Exactly.
0: So once you've visited the visitor center and you get kind of the lay of the land in terms of what to expect for weather and all of that. What are some of the highlights that are absolute must-sees for somebody? Let's say you're going to go for the day. What are some things that you absolutely shouldn't miss?
2: So if you're here for one day, the iconic spots that I would definitely recommend you go see would be Badwater. That's the spot that's 282 feet below sea level. You can walk out on this bizarre salt flat with polygon shapes in it, and then you're flanked on either side by towering dark mountains. You can see that sign up on the side of one of the mountains that tells you where sea level is and really get a visual that way of how deep you are. So it's a really unusual landscape. Definitely go there. Short walk. If you have a vehicle that's less than 24 feet in length, a great stop is to do Artist Drive. It's a one-way road, and when you drive it, you'll see why you can't have a vehicle longer than (laughs) that. Yeah. Beautiful, colorful rocks in there. Zabriskie Point, beautiful viewpoint with a small walk up to the top of a hill that you can see Badlands type of topography. And a drive up to 5,000 feet in elevation, where you get a great panoramic view of the park. That spot's called Dante's View. Last stop I would recommend is Mesquite Flat Sand Dunes. That's the sand dunes near the resort at Stove Five Wells and it's best early in the morning or late in the afternoon, any time when the sun's at a low angle. Mm.
0: One of the other things not to be missed is the night sky, especially you're close to LA and Bakersfield and such, but the night sky is really impressive if you're not used to that.
2: Absolutely. So if you're able to spend two days here, that would mean that you're spending a night out here. The night sky is amazing. You can see the Milky Way on any night when the moon is not out. So you have to recalibrate your thoughts, look up on the web, figure out when the moon's going to be a no moon or not rise until late in the night. We are designated as an international dark sky park to recognize how special the night sky is here. However, the flip side is that the full moon is also a really magical time to come here. You can walk out on the sand dunes or at the Badwater Salt Flats. At full moon and both of those are equally special experiences
0: that would be fabulous next time we go we're going to have to plan
1: we have to stay for two weeks so we have no moon and a full moon
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm good with that both of them
2: and then if you're here for more than one day that second day I'd recommend going to some place that's not one of the main spots people visit maybe look through the hiking book in the park or do a little research online or ask a park ranger say where's the spot where people don't go real often maybe it's not a real famous spot or just park literally anywhere on the side of the road (laughs) and walk towards something that looks interesting because you don't have to stay on developed trails in this park but you have to walk you can't drive right (laughs) walk to something interesting and you'll be the only one out there and good chance you'll experience the peace the solitude the extreme quiet that this park can do and how it will feed your soul.
1: So if we walked out from just anywhere, what is the chance of maybe seeing some wildlife?
2: Depending on your time of year, a high chance that you'll see something like lizards. (laughs) Those are pretty common. But as far as seeing something larger, like a bighorn sheep, which is what people often want to see here, the chances, honestly, are pretty small. So you'd have to be pretty lucky to see a bighorn sheep. There aren't a lot of them, and they're not every square mile of the park.
1: In some places, and this might not be so much a walk as there are drivable places, I say this a lot of times, a lot of people think that the desert is nothing but, you know, maybe sand dunes or something. And the incredible array of wildlife is sometimes surprising to people. And really surprising in Death Valley is there's actually a native fish that only lives in Death Valley.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes. So back on your comment about the array of wildlife, That's one of the things that you stop and think about, the conditions that that animal goes through in the summer, that there's anything at all here is amazing. For example, there's a little mouse called a kangaroo rat. It's quite cute because it pops on its back legs like a little kangaroo, and it doesn't drink water its entire life.
0: Wow. Really?
2: It doesn't need to. It manufactures the water it needs chemically through the dry seeds that it eats. Wow. So that's really amazing. But it, so it takes a little bit of appreciation almost. you say, oh, well, there's a mouse. Well, what's, what do you need to know about that mouse? that so makes <laughs> it so amazing? Back on the fish, you mentioned, so there are several species of pupfish and they're called pupfish because they look like little puppies playing. They're tiny. They're like an inch, an inch and a half long. So very, very small little fish that live only in certain springs within the park. The most endangered of them is called the devil's hole pupfish. And that pupfish had sunk to a population of only 35 a few years ago. The last count was 185, so we're pretty grateful for that. Great. They're pretty difficult to see for the public because they're protected, so you can go to a spot where you can look down and see the water from a distance, but the fish are too small to see from that distance. So the pupfish, I would recommend you visit. If you're here at the right time, which is usually February through March or maybe April, In the springtime, the Salt Creek pupfish are in their spawning season. And when they're in their spawning season, they come out into the creek, which is right next to a boardwalk. So wheelchair accessible route that people can go out and go along this creek and watch the pupfish defend their territory, do a little dance to impress the females, chase off the other males. You really understand why they're called pupfish, because when they're spawning is when they look like they're playing. <laughs> they're not out most of the year, but if you're here the right time of year, that, that's a great stop.
1: We did up at Salt Creek and walked out on the boardwalk, and I expected goldfish size or something, and so I was looking and looking, and I'm like, oh, there aren't any fish, and then we saw some, yeah. and then we were, we're like, gonna... oh, well, there they are, and now we know <laughs> they're not three inches long, Yeah. <laughs> just little tiny guys. One of
0: the many things, to your credit, they're the people who manage the park for us. The signage that boardwalk over Salt Creek, the signage and boardwalk over Badwater. It's all so well done. It's beautifully maintained. That boardwalk over Salt Creek was terrific. We gotta walk right over the creek and look down and see the fish and and it's amazing to see a creek when you're in the middle of the hottest place in the world.
2: Right. And that creek is much saltier than the ocean. Uh, uh. And the ancestors of those little pupfish, they lived in a freshwater lake that was here in Death Valley during the Ice Ages. So in a very short period of time, they've had to adapt to water that's quite warm and very salty. Yeah, I wanted to
0: taste it, but Peggy told me it was a bad idea. (laughs) Fortunately, I have adult supervision with me when I
2: travel. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a good thing.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely.
1: And then another favorite part of all the Southern California desert to me is the spring bloom season, the wildflower season. And I I have not been to Death Valley during that season, but I understand that you can get some very good bloom seasons as well.
2: Yes, and the bloom is usually mid-February through mid-April. It'll depend a little bit on the weather. It starts at low elevation on the rocky slopes next to the salt flats, between the salt flats and the mountains in mid-February. And then by June, the flowers will be up in the highest parts of the mountains at 5,000 feet, 8,000 feet in elevation. There are always some flowers. So if you're here in the spring, you will get to see some very interesting flowers. One of the rangers' favorites is a flower called Five Spot. It's a pinkish-purple cup with five petals that create that cup shape like a tulip almost with one big purple spot on the inside of each one of those petals. Yeah. My personal favorite is one called Gravel Ghost, which the stalks grow about three feet tall. They have a white flower like a daisy on the top of the stalk, but no leaves at all on the stalk. And the stalk is very thin and grayish color. All the leaves on the plant are flat against the ground and they also blend into the rocks. So what it looks like when you're driving by or walking by, is that there are these white flowers just floating in the air.
1: Yeah, that sounds cool.
2: That one's my favorite. But what you're probably really asking about are our super blue.
1: Well, I was going to ask that. I know that it (laughs) takes certain conditions of the right amount of sun, the right amount of water, and the right of, you know... All the, all the conditions have to be just right for what's called a super bloom.
2: Well, the sun's always there. That part we've got, <laughs> but it's the water that we don't always have. Right. <laughs> and usually the right conditions are we need one or two really soaking rains in the fall. So it has to rain a fair amount in October and November to set the stage for the super bloom. Literally what's happening with that is that that early rain washes a chemical coating off the plant seeds that are in the soil that inhibits their growth. So that coating has to be washed off. And then they're primed, but they're waiting for more rain right about now, December, January, February, for the plants to actually grow and bloom. So You need both of those, rain Mm -hmm. in the fall and rain in the winter. This year, unfortunately, we didn't get any rain in the fall. So there is not going to be a super bloom. Even though it rained all day yesterday, and right now looking out my window, there's beautiful snow on the mountains rimming the park. You guys left a little too early to see it right now, but no super bloom.
1: But still flowers. Even if we came in the spring this year, there would still be flowers, just not what's defined as super bloom, which is like every flower.
2: Right. The superplume is mostly one species. It's a yellow daisy-like flower, almost like a small sunflower mm. that grows about three feet tall, and the flowers track the sun so they're all facing the same direction at the same time, and they will form almost a complete cover of the hillsides in a really good year, and a super bloom happens on average about once a decade.
1: Okay. So we'll, we need to watch the fall forecasts and the fall rainfall, and then we can start planning for our super bloom visit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: So, as a visitor, what is a great resource to help plan a Death Valley adventure?
2: Well, I definitely recommend the park's webpage, which is www.nps.gov. diva To break that down a little bit, it's NPS, as in National Park Service, dot G-O-V, as in dot gov, and then slash D-E, the first two letters of death, V-A, first two letters of valley. Okay.
0: When we went, Peggy had been all over Death Valley in her past, because she's a geologist, and I hadn't really and i had the best time i mean just the i got to
1: be his tour guide. (laughs) yeah the
0: serendipity (laughs) and just the things that we saw and the roads we traveled and it was terrific and really a very very affordable vacation if you have an rv you can boondock which is doesn't cost really anything and the park fee is what 30 bucks Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. think and then does a national parks pass cover death valley yes it does so then if you already have, that's what, 85 bucks or something?
2: $80 for an annual pass, or a senior can buy a, a lifetime pass for $80. Okay.
1: Huh,
0: what's a senior? I mean, what that, What age does... <laughs>
2: 62 and a full-time resident or a citizen of the U.S. Okay. okay.
0: Well, I can't buy one of those, but that's okay. But we're I
2: getting close. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> so that's, I mean, 30 bucks for a day to see all this is a deal
1: yeah absolutely well abby we sure do appreciate you taking the time on that dreary rainy day (laughs) where you weren't (laughs) sure if your phone was going to even work by the way abby's on the landline because of that no cell service stuff that goes on out there so we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us and we've got some great information and we look forward to next time we get to visit Death Valley.
0: Absolutely. And we have some great pictures that we'll have to share with everybody too. It's such a beautiful spot and it's very photogenic. And despite the name, it will surprise you what all there is to do there. Yeah. It's a great place to go visit.
2: I've lived here 15 years. I know nowhere close to running out of things to do and see. And wow. you haven't died.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> despite I haven't the died branding.
2: Either. <laughs> <laughs> There's knocking on some wood.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again and have a terrific day.
0: Yeah. We sincerely appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thanks. So I think I mentioned earlier that RV trip wizard got a little workout on our last trip It got a lot of it work got out got a lot of work out. I had a great time before we left searching around for different routes and different pathways and different destinations that we could stop along our way on our way to Death Valley. Yep. And I put them all in the order I thought we might use them. But what I loved was the RV Trip Wizard app. Once you have your trip planned, You don't really need Wi-Fi to follow those directions.
0: Yeah, so you download them to your phone. They're RV safe directions, so you know how big your rig is, and it takes you along the route safe and sound.
1: Yeah, safe for your rig and for RVs. And I think I mentioned that we weren't sure whether we'd go to Rainbow Basin before or after. Well, I had it planned for after Death Valley, and we decided to go first. So on the day we woke up and headed to Rainbow Basin, I just clicked on my trip wizard that that's where I was headed. And it gave me the directions from where we were to where we wanted to get. And it didn't, you know, try to route me through the predestined way through to Copa. It just took me from where we were to where we wanted to go.
0: Yeah, and the good thing is you can set limits on how much you want to drive and, and lots more. So, again, we have more info on our discounts and deals page on stresslesscamping.com we have a gadget that we would like to talk about that noah radar live it's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration—it's the government. As I think we've mentioned, we have iPhones and Apple watches and all sorts of Apple gadgets and goodies. And on our phones and on our watches, it will pop up with warnings, which was entertaining on the way back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because as we were driving, every time we came to a new location, it popped up the weather report, which was kind of the same as the location five miles back, but we're in a new town. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny as
0: you move from location to location, you get a warning: there is going to be severe winter weather. No kidding. Thank you.
1: That's why we were hightailing at home.
0: But it's still cool that it notifies you. It's location aware. Right now I'm getting predictions of snow in where we live, which is really unusual. And it's actually come to pass because people are posting pictures of it on Facebook all over.
1: I'm pretty sure every town in this county except ours
0: has snow, <laughs> it's snow. and i'm fine with that <laughs> it's always good to know the weather before you go and that no weather app really was helpful i like the alerts i like the fact that it notifies me both on my watch and on my phone right i believe it's also available for android
1: and we actually we had a different app that we were kind of looking at it was you know just kind of yeah, a superficial, I guess, weather map. And when we were in Rainbow Basin and mentioned that we were going to stay another night, there was a man there that said, you know, the wind's going to get worse. You should look at Noah. And so that's yeah, what we did. And he saved us from a windy mess. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm glad I didn't have to drive in that wind.
1: And you don't have to necessarily be traveling. We've, you know, we like it now that we're home. We know if it's going to snow here or you know, if there's going to be severe winds or something. So it's an an app for everyone, not just for travelers, but it's really super handy when you're traveling.
0: I will put a link to that in the show notes, which is where we keep all the links to all the stuff that we talk about here.
1: I think it's time for us to get caught up on the question of the week.
0: (laughs) Yes, why not?
1: So a couple of weeks ago, we asked about how you like to cook. And last week, we should have answered that question. But as we said, we recorded a bit early because we were on the road. So we didn't really have much to answer. And now we do.
0: The answers come over on our Facebook group where we've got hundreds of happy campers who are very polite and share all kinds of great tips and information, <laughs> yep. including their favorite way of cooking. A lot of that depends apparently on what people are cooking.
1: Yeah, it depends on what you're cooking. It probably depends on whether you have an outdoor kitchen or not. True. If you have and love cast iron like we do. Oh,
0: Yeah, by the way, if you have Heard it, we have an episode with cowboy Kent Rollins all about cast iron. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of cast iron cooking.
1: So we had people say it depended on what they were cooking, and I agree. If we're just gonna maybe warm up some soup because it's cold outside, indoors is a great place to cook.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's cold outside. <laughs> but if we want
1: to be outside and we have our cast iron, we can make a pizza on the fire. That's also very cool. Yeah,
0: and you'll see in that we also had a friend who's a blacksmith who made a tripod on which we hang a barbecue grill, on which we at our cast iron cookware and so it's kind of cool but people basically were pretty equally divided about indoor outdoor campfire or outdoor kitchen so if you want to weigh in you may do so over on the stressless camping facebook group
1: and then of course try as we might we can't possibly neglect to mention that a lot of people like the blackstone
0: (laughs) yeah that blackstone man that is sort of the hit of the we have avoided
1: we've tried not to fall in love with it because we don't want to have another appliance but every time we're around someone that has one we think well that's kind of not too bad. (laughs) If you ever worked
0: in the restaurant industry, it's a flat top. That's basically what it is. The other thing is Peggy's favorite kitchen appliance, and mine too, I think, is the air fryer. And I thought, yeah, there's a few people who bring those.
1: We did take it camping when we knew we would have hookups over Christmas and we did use it while we were camping with hookups over Christmas. Yes, we did. What we did not do is take it on our 12-day trip where we thought we'd be boondocking a lot. No, we didn't. Because it's not small.
0: No, and it's electric.
1: (laughs) So We knew that we wouldn't use it very often. And so we did leave it behind. And like, really, as soon as we got home, I'm like, okay, let's air fry something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am really impressed with how many things you can make with that and how well they come out and how quickly they come out. That thing is... If you haven't messed with an air fryer, man, that thing is just, it's good stuff.
1: <laughs> While we were out, when we were doing some shopping, we picked up some frozen pre-cooked fried chicken and I threw it in the air fryer and it said, bake it for 50 to 55 minutes. I air fried it for 20. Yeah. So it was, it was great. Good.
0: Normally we will make our own chicken, but we had to try this. So.
1: Yeah. Had to check it out. <laughs> we
0: like cooking from scratch, but we also like trying new stuff and it was tasty. From Aldi. Oh, I wish we had an Aldi near us. My gosh. I love Aldi and Trader Joe's. Those Germans know how to make a market.
1: Indeed. Last week we asked you how you feel about people who live permanently in RV parks.
0: Well, it wasn't how you feel about them. It was, does it affect your decision when making a reservation whether or not there are residents staying at the park? Making no judgment, we have friends who live in an RV in an RV park full-time. So, it wasn't a judgment on the people themselves. It was just, does their being full-timers affect your decision to stay there? And fortunately, for the most part...
1: About four to one, it does not affect people's decisions. Yeah,
0: which is, you know, that's cool. We just asked.
1: And like Tony said, we know people who are permanent residents in parks.
0: So, basically, that was it. For the most part, it doesn't affect people. So, for the campground owners who... Listen to this, and we think about 25% or so of our audience are campground owners. That's what we know. Yeah. So what is the question this week? It is... Well, you kind of
1: already asked I did, but I'm going (laughs) to ask it again. And
0: where you can weigh in yourself is on the Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group. Right. And we have a link to that, of course, in our show notes. The question is, when you travel, do you prefer chain places where you know what you're getting? Or are you willing to or excited about trying the local places? So that's it it's been a very long episode this one
1: thanks for sticking it out with us we
0: love death valley we do indeed and we hope you'll tell a friend about the stressless camping podcast and death valley of course we're in all the usual social places but you can find us starting with stresslesscamping.com
1: and from there you can jump off to all those social places
0: and don't forget we've got discounts and deals for the best deals on the things you'll need on your next stressless camping adventure and in fact if you're a producer, and you've got a great deal that you'd like to share with our audience, contact us. We're always interested in hearing about great products and services.
1: And if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, don't forget... It's free! You can subscribe on any podcast app.
0: And we're saving a seat for you around our virtual campfire. Of course, a review will help others find this podcast too, and the more listeners we have, the better guests we get, and the more discounts and deals you get.
1: We did get couple of great reviews this week and we appreciate you very much thank you
0: we really do thank you very much everybody we appreciate your being here with us on this extra long episode and most of all happy happy camping camping. we hope you learned a lot had some fun and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping!